Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Nerd Nonsense. I am JP. On tonight's episode, Roman on the Rocks joins me and we talk about DC television, DC movies, the addition of Jeff Johns to the DC movies as the sort of lead chef, um, and the impact that'll have on the storytelling there. We also get into some of the Marvel films, how it all ties together in terms of what DC is doing versus what Marvel is doing. We also discuss a number of announcements recently, including Supergirl's move to the CW, and even a little bit of Samurai Jack. So enjoy the show, take a listen, of course find us on Twitter, PlayStation, and all the other wonderful areas. Thank you to Monster City for letting us use their song Reeling from Feeling, and of course to the Maniacal Geek. Sam, thank you so much for continuing to post our shows. Make sure you check out themaniacalgeek.com, follow all of the Girl with the Curls podcasts, on iTunes. Thank you and enjoy the show. Good night. Yep, we're just going to start right from here. Welcome everybody to another Nerd Nonsense. We appreciate you joining us. Um, I think just before we get started, very quickly, we'll take a moment to acknowledge Darwin Cook's passing. Um, I, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that um, because I don't pay attention enough to the internet at times, I was a little late um, on hearing the news of his passing, um, and the only thing I can say, but he had been sick for a while, um, the only thing I could say is that I've met Darwin Cook, um, there's a great, I have a great story of, um, I went to a convention and Sam said, hey, get me something, and I said, okay, and I went and got her and I each a copy of New Frontier and had him sign it. Um, and then I sent it to her and she was in complete and utter shock. It's fantastic. But um, I got to meet him and he was just um, really intimidating. You could tell he, he was working on some commissions and he was really into it. And then people kept coming up to him and his table was always busy. And finally I, I saw him working and his table a little empty and I got to go up to him and he just, as intimidating as he was, he turned out to be a really, really nice guy. Um, very kind, very willing to sign and talk to me. And so, um, yeah, he'll be missed. Ro, any words? Um, I wish, I wish I was more familiar with his work. Um, I've, I've since, uh, hearing of his passing, um, because, you know, I have friends who post these things on Facebook. Uh, definitely went out and like checked out a lot of his work, and I'm really sad that I missed out on it. As far as like going out and like knowing about it sooner than this, because um, I'm very much like a retro look kind of person. Like I I really like that, and and looking back at his illustrations and everything, it's just beautiful artistry. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, definitely a, a a missing page in in time now um, that uh, we'll all just have to. Uh, relegate to history and uh, continue to remember by continuing to support reprints of his work and everything. Yeah. If you've, if, if you've never read new frontier or even just watched the um, animated film, it's um, it's a wonderful take on the characters. Um, it's probably in my top two alt world um, DC books. Just because it manages, it manages to do something that will transition us to our next conversation really well. 
seems to be difficult at times for DC, which is doing something new and different while staying core to who the characters are. Um, and almost, almost like you would in football, we're seeing something in the DC universe, film universe, that um, occurs quite often, which is today um, it was announced that Jeff Johns, along with somebody else whose name is going to John Berg, are going to be taking over the DC Universe cinem cinematic films. Um, and I can't help but feel like much in the same way that in football, when you have a really strict coach, when you have like the angry, doesn't like the media coach, and they stop doing well, and like the players get unhappy and ticket sales start dropping, the the general response is to immediately go with like the player's guy that everybody likes and go completely the opposite way. This is what's happening in this case. I'm not saying everyone likes Jeff Johns. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is, whereas Snyder was always going to be... Oh, how do you describe Snyder quickly? Um, <laughs> Murderverse. He was always going to be murderverse. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah, he, he was, was always going to be dark and grim. Like, he wanted the Batman approach to all DC properties he was working with. And Johns, for his faults, which there are some, tends to be the, you know, status quo, like good guys winning positive guy right i mean if you go and watch even now if you're watching the the t um some of the tv with um legends of tomorrow and you go back and watch some of the rebirth you read some of his rebirth books like i i really enjoy john's flash run right um and gr he did wonderful things in green lantern because for the most part he does want there to be a sense of dynamics to his stories, but he also wants the good guy to win in a way that is good guys winning. So my, I'm both happy and sad about this. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm because it, it could go, it, it could easily go one of a couple of ways. Like it could easily, yeah. it could easily be a really great move and strategy from DC, or it could just not be better than what we're like, like, it's, do you stick with the devil you know, <laughs> or the devil you don't? I don't know. I think DC, after the Batman v Superman, realizes that there is no devil worse than the one that they know. Right. Um, it's just at this point, is does Johns come in, ensure he lightens the tone, he brings, um, he will make it certainly more, like, casual fan-friendly. Like Jeff Johns is good for that. He is he he is very very good um, at making things accessible, comic books accessible to the general public. Right. So I do think the 
the films will instantly become more accessible. Um, my concern is, does the storytelling become anticlimactic? Which with Jeff Johns, sometimes it can be that way. Sometimes it's so tele- telegraphed, right? right? And um, just, you know, here, let me essentially serve the thoughts to you on a silver platter that that may not work. Whereas Marvel manages to do that very well. Marvel manages to keep it accessible to the average fan while still um, making it dynamic with its storytelling. Right. Well, and that's why, like, I think it's really frustrating for me when I, like, I hear people try to make the comparison, right? Like, I've I've heard a number of people, both with Man of Steel, more specifically with Batman versus Superman, I've I've heard, I've had half a dozen people come to me and go, I don't understand why you like that, you don't like this movie. You're somebody who likes depth, you're somebody who likes layers, you're somebody who likes something that, like, makes you think you know, movies that come from, you know, Stanley Kubrick or movies that come from, um, or even more recently, uh, come from, uh, uh, um, Nolan, uh, you know, where they're just like, you know, like, like he, you know, where they really delve into a psychological level and they're like, and this movie is like on that level on so many degrees. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if we watched different movies. Maybe you caught a different version of this that I did because, that's not at all the movie that I saw and that's not at all the movie that we can compare to. Um, and simultaneously I can, I can go back and, and, and I think that's just it is I don't think people want that in a comic book movie as much as I love inception. I don't want inception in my comic book movie no, because it's not right. necessary. Um, even reading comics, there's not really, I mean, I'm sure there are comics out there, that do go to that kind of psychological level. And I'm sure they tickle the hell out of my brain to read, but it's not something when the general with the, even outside of being a nerd, like the general public, when they go to see a superhero movie, they're going to it for the, as you kind of said uh, a couple of weeks ago, the Michael Bay effect, right? They're going to yep. these movies because they want to see a bunch of explosions. They want to see, you know, heroes flying around and kicking the crap out of bad guys. And they want to, they want, they want heroes. They want what is the epitome in their mind of an action hero. That's what they want to watch. And so a little bit of on the platter works. Like you said, Marvel does it really well where they're spoon feeding it to us, but not like in a bad way. Like they're, they're giving it to us in a way that we get to enjoy what we want. So we get the explosions and the action. But simultaneously, for those of us who are looking for a little more of the intellectual level, they do it really well on like a subliminal kind of message system where um, if you really pay attention to the emotions of the character, you really pay attention to just little tiny details that occur. Um, as we pointed out kind of in a recent podcast we did with um, Sam uh, at That Girl at the Curls, uh, where we we discuss the fact like there's that one little scene in in Civil War where um you know the it's it's the big hero fight where all the heroes are fighting each other and there's just that little quip um from when uh Hawkeye is fighting with Widow and like he you know they're fighting and they take this brief pause and he's just like we're still friends right and she's like that depends on how hard you hit me um like you can tell like it's just that little level like anybody else 
who was there for the action, probably didn't really catch it, probably didn't really pay much mind to it, just went, it's really cool because they're all beating the shit out of each other. And they got what they wanted. The rest of us got something a little bit different, um, which I'm good with. And, and that is my concern. DC hasn't done anything like that so far, as far as current DC properties. Um, they try, I don't, I feel, I feel like to some degree, I'm watching a later, like a way later series version of Power Rangers when I watch a DC movie. Where like, there's, <laughs> there's just, there's nothing there. Like, it's like, it's some action and it's kind of entertaining, but there's, there's zero depth. You're not giving me anything. I mean, if we look at Batman versus Superman, they, they didn't give the viewer anything. Like, there was nothing even remotely on the platter. Like, maybe, maybe, maybe a couple pieces of stale bread. Like, it, it was really bad. Like, it was hard to follow. It was hard to keep up with. So, I mean, I, I think Jeff, as said, his history with writing for DC, he hasn't always hit the home run. But he has done a pretty good job of reining shit in when it started to get a little too crazy. I mean, Green Lantern's a really prime example with him, where Green Lantern, and simultaneously it kind of spun back out, even with him, where it was going in this place where fans were like, I don't, what? I don't understand this. Like, they're weak to yellow. That doesn't make sense. Okay. Or there's these other, like, small events that I don't, I don't get. I don't understand. Like, somebody help. And Jeff came along at right about at like the exact right time, and he kind of a lot of people. I mean, you can agree, everybody can agree to disagree on whether or not you know his definition of why you know they were weak to yellow and the reasoning behind it, and you know it's this alien force. Like we won't delve into all that, but the fact that he just he did something, he took a step to start fleshing things out. Um, was huge. Nobody in DC was doing that at that time. It was just, we were kind of for the longest time expected to just accept everything as it is and just not question it. And I feel like that's where the Snyder murderverse has kind of gone to is we're, we're right back at that where it's like, accept that these are no longer the heroes you love. And that's it. Period. Like just deal with that. And nobody wants to. Yeah. And you know, I think the interesting thing about I think the interesting thing about Johns is that um, at this point he's kind of run a little bit of everything at DC. He's been around the block, and uh, yeah, well, and so he he's kind of been in charge of he was kind of in charge of huge chunks of the New Fifty Two, like critical chunks of the New Fifty Two. Yes. Um, he's well. For, th- for better or for right. worse, it was a great jumping on point for a lot of people. Um, and he, he was part of that jumping on point. I mean, he's, he, again, the thing you have to give him is he, is he makes it accessible. Right. Um, and he, you know, he's been integral to the TV, um, universe, which with the on again, off again, um, situation of Arrow, um, seems to be pr- pretty strong. Um, and so I think at this point, DC's like, well, at, le- at least we know that we'll get accessible and mildly entertaining. It may not be out of the park, but it, 
it'll be good. And so I, it, the only thing I can really compare it to in the Marvel Universe where everything has been good is maybe S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Like, where S.H.I.E.L.D. is just... um. S.H.I.E.L.D. tries to be really in-depth with its character development, um, but it doesn't always succeed. But you know that Jed Whedon and that team are always just going to be, you know, like, you're going to have some ups and you're going to have some downs, but for the most part, the ups are going to outweigh the downs and you're going to be okay. So you just kind of just plug along with it, right? Um, And I feel like that's kind of like what... John's will be for the DC Cinematic Universe. Like, I'm not expecting, oh my gosh, this was the, one of the greatest movies I ever saw um, type reactions from anything he does, but I also don't expect to leave the theater like, I can't believe they just did that to a character I love. Um, which at this point, maybe that's good enough for DC. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, so I guess really quickly, um, I don't know, how caught up are you on your DC shows, bro? I'm, I'm never caught up, man. Like, I'm, I'm terrible at this. Uh, I'm gonna blame my wife, too, um, because my wife is a big movie person. She loves to watch movies. Um, okay. when it comes to TV shows, she so easily, like, just gets, about watching them. So then I'm the guy who's just like, well, but I want to watch it. And I'm just about to the point where I'm going to be like, all right, screw you. I'm just going to watch them. If you want to go back and watch it later, by all means. But I really want to watch this and stay up on it. Um, And I think such a big part of that is just how, like, with, like, the current season of Arrow, like, we've just been so, uh, like, even both of us, because I was a big hero, like Arrow fan, like from season one, like all the way up to the current season, I was just like, yeah, I love this show. It's so good. And, and we've just gotten so burned out on the hall, Oliver and Felicity and like, we love each other, but we can't be together, but I love you, but I hate you, but I can't. And we're just like, I'm so sick of it. Um, the best thing that happened in the series so far was Laurel's death. Uh, I still stand by that, <laughs> but otherwise I was just like, eh. And I'm not up on The Flash. I think I'm like two episodes, like two or three episodes behind on that, too. So I'm just bad at this anymore. Well, so I think we'll save like seasonal conversations for next week then, because what I would like to talk about some of the emotional elements that have been going on mm. um, pretty consistently across all the shows. Now, the only show I have not watched the last I'm I have not finished yet is the sh- one one of the shows that is complete already, which is Supergirl. Um, That's the only one I I have completed. (laughs) Well, and I I intentionally, so I have to admit, I intentionally didn't watch the last couple of episodes because by the time I went to go watch them, we had already begun to hear the rumblings that CBS wasn't going to renew it. Mm, Right. And I was at that point, like, you only have so much time to watch so much stuff. Right. And as much as I love Supergirl, I just, I hate CBS and I just wasn't going to devote one more second of energy to it. Now, 
we had heard wonderful news recently. We have. Which is, worry not, listeners. <laughs> worry not. Things are things are looking up. Um, as much as Warner Brothers historically has hurt me in so many ways, they've made some pretty wonderful announcements lately. One of which is that Supergirl will be moving to the CW. Yay! Which not only means I think it'll be just on a better network because CBS is the worst. Um, even though it is where we'll have to suck it up to watch Star Trek, apparently. Um, the, but um, because it has so many implications for storytelling with the other shows. Um, and I believe that CW is also considering another superhero show separate of those, but I don't remember which one it is. Um, anyways, um, the, another, just on a complete, um, side note, another wonderful thing Warner Brothers has announced is that Samurai Jack is returning oh, in 2016. So stoked. Um, and for those of you who have not watched every Samurai Jack episode on repeat, just go watch it. Right? Like, just don't, don't screw around with that. Just do it. Like, and watch it incessantly. Right? Like, like, I watched Samurai Jack probably about as insanely as I watched, like, Invader Zim. Like, those were two of just the best cartoons for me when I was a kid. Samurai Jack is really great, especially when you find out that the guy who did the voice of Samurai Jack, and this is going back for some younger listeners will have no idea who I'm talking about, most likely, but it was the guy who played the Ups guy on Mad TV. Oh, yeah. He did the voice of Jack. It was pretty great. Uh, That show... I mean, anything that, um, I, I'm going to probably say it wrong, Gendy Tartakovsky, I think is how he pronounces it. Any Anything he does is fantastic. Um, like, just everything he does is fantastic. But um, the Samurai Jack was, Samurai Jack was, probably the most forward-thinking cartoon of its time. Right. It it did so many things in terms of gender bending and race bending and um, just interesting things with storytelling, both in art dimensions. Like, there's an, epi- there's an episode, one of my all-time favorite episodes is um, Haku sends a ninja after Jack. And the entire episode is is in two colors, black and white. And it is literally Jack and the ninja fighting in these two color schemes and hiding in the colors. There's no dialogue. The whole episode, there's, I think, like two words spoken. The whole episode and yet it is so beautifully done. Like, it is the most compelling thing to watch. Ugh, it's amazing. Right. So that's that's all the things happening in the DC announcement universe, or at least a good chunk of them. I'm sure we've forgotten a few. Um, but 
the real news today seems to be in the Marvel Universe, where um, we've already gotten information about Season 2 of Jessica Jones, which is so exciting, um, because I was really nervous that they weren't going to do a Season 2 of Jessica Jones. Mm, yeah. um, but they are, and it's and we probably won't get it for a while, but it is coming. Um, and now there is news that the Netflix um, range of shows, in addition to already having announced adding public Punisher to their lineup, will be adding Moon Knight, Ghost Rider, and Blade. Netflix now, just becoming the Marvel Network. Well, and you know what? And Netflix just in general is do, doing some crazy things. Like, I just saw somewhere where they're going to be doing a movie with um, some big, like, Will Smith is going to be doing a Netflix movie, and, like, Netflix is, is, is stepping into their own big time. Well, they're pushing the medium to the direction that it's it's just going. Like, they they know this. They're the leader on it. Like, it's just, it's, it's we're, we're evolving to this place where, not just for TV, but for movies, like, it's, it's on a way higher demand level. Like, people want it, and they want to be able to have instant access to it, um, and be able, and, and be able to take advantage of that. And, I mean, why not be a part of that? Like, more and more actors. I mean, I think even Kevin Spacey, I think I saw an interview with him where when he agreed to do, that's what it was. He agreed when he had agreed to do um, House of Cards. Like he himself was just like, this is where the medium's moving to. Like, like if you're an actor and you just don't see that or you want to deny it, you're denying yourself a huge range of opportunities. Like, because this is just where it's going. Eventually, movie theaters are not going to be that big of a thing. Like, eventually, we're just all going to be in a place where. We have instant access to it, and whether that's through Hulu, whether that's through Netflix, whether that's through uh, Vudu or or any other digital provider, like it's just that's the direction we're all going to end up eventually. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a, it's definitely a big, probably the best, the best delivery of of content at this point like i love getting that whole season of shows just dropped on me there's something really enjoyable about being able to watch something at my own pace if if because some shows and i said this after the first season of daredevil they wrote daredevil in such a way that it is literally a 13 episode film more than it is a 13-episode serial. Yeah, it's hard to stop yourself with, with the way it's written, like, from being like, but but I need to know more. Like, that show I don't think would have been, I don't think it would have worked nearly as well on just network television, where we got an episode written in the same style, the exact same way it is on Netflix, and then had to wait a week for the next episode, and then had to wait a week. And then we got to, like, mid-season. And then we had to wait, like, three weeks. Like, it never would have worked. Like, people would have gotten disinterested, I think, very quickly without having all, like, like just, I can just binge this. Or I can watch, like, six episodes and then take a break. Yeah, it's, um, it, it just gives the writers more room to play. It gives the, 
the watcher more room to play. Um, I've often said that there are, there have been series of, um, Doctor Who that I felt were better when I watched them all in a row and ones that were better when I was forced to take those breaks. Um, and it allows me as the fan to kind of dictate that. Um, and getting back to the characters that they've announced. So we've, if you've ever listened to any of the podcasts that we've done over the years, everyone knows how much I love the characters of Blade and Black Panther and the X-Men characters, because those were the characters I grew up. But probably, and Rowan and I were talking about this right before the show, probably the most underrated character in all of comic books is Moon Knight. Yeah. Like, like I didn't even know about Moon Knight until not that long ago. I think it was just like a few weeks ago where I was just like, Moon Knight? Who the fuck is that? And then somebody's like, Marvel's Batman. And I was like, what? I have to find out more. Because <laughs> I'm already a rabid DC Batman fan. And then I did. I read a little bit more about this character. And even more recently with, uh, I think it's one of the current writers, um, the different levels that they've gone with this character. I hate to say it. So many more levels. Like, we all know Batman. Batman's simple. Batman's, his parents died when he was a kid. He's the harbinger of vengeance for the innocent because of that. But he never crosses a line. Like, the line is, I don't kill people, period. And that's it. That's Batman. Like, there's not really much more depth beyond that. Uh, The only thing that's really the highlight after that is the fact that he's the greatest He's the greatest detective of all time, right? And that's it. But Moon Knight, Jesus Christ, there's layers to this character. Like, on a psychological level, like, the fact that he suffers from psychological problems, like, that he he has, he suffers from PTSD and, like, legitimate, like, yeah. issues, like, beyond PTSD, um, but still remains, like, a hero not unwilling to cross that line. Very compelling. Like I, I need to go. I need to go read some comics. Like I'm not normally a Marvel kid, but I'm like, you know what? I'll become a Marvel kid for this shit. Yes. Yeah, so Moon Knight is what Batman would be if people didn't care as much about Batman. Like it, Moon Knight is one of those characters that because the people who care about Moon Knight are Moon Knight fans. And they're just a very niche set of fan. I think that most people, he's one of those characters, he's a, he's a B sort of, maybe even a C level character for most people. And as a result, they've been able to do things with his character that, like, if you did it with Batman, it's harder to do because of the amount of people who pay attention. Um, and so it makes Moon Knight super compelling. Um, he's all, he's just this, he's one of those characters where you never know if he's the voice of reason or the voice of like realism, which are not exactly the same thing. Um, and they're, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very exciting. I'm actually, um, I'm not, 
I haven't picked up any new books recently, but back in April and there was a um a new series that was released with Jeff Lemire writing it, who if you have never read anything Jeff Lemire has written, um you're missing out sorely. And um he would be perfect for a character like Moonlight uh Moon Knight, who also has a bit of mysticism to his character. Um, it's not all just dude in a costume. There's a little bit of mysticism to his character, um, which amplifies some of his emotional issues, which is um, just amazing. So um, I'm super excited about Moon Knight. I think Moon Knight particularly might play well with some of the mysticism that they've begun to build in the Netflix um, range of shows. Um, and yeah, I think Ghost Rider would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, Ghost Rider is the only one out of the announcement that I'm like, I don't know. I mean, admittedly, they haven't failed with a Marvel series on Netflix yet. Um, I mean, I still haven't watched Daredevil season two because I suck at life. Um, but oh, so I've, good. But just so good. But again, as many po- people have pointed out to me so far that even having not watched season two, like they've told me, like the problem with season two is that a big chunk of it is mostly just the Punisher. Like it's it's really just kind of his jam. Um, and And so – a lot of people, of course, felt like that really took away from season two as far as, um, you know, Matt um, as, as as Daredevil and everything. So um, but even again, the series didn't fail. Just people felt like it wasn't as good, like it was lackluster compared to season one. Um, but again, Jessica Jones, Jessica Jones, did, didn't it win what, like a Peabody Award? It did. Yeah. Like, I mean, damn. Um I mean, and, and the thing is, is like, it's again, it's a Marvel show. And I don't think people think about that. Like even non-Marvel fans, like people who aren't really comic book fans that enjoyed the show, didn't even think about the fact that this was based on a comic book. Like this is just a compelling piece of writing. The whole series was just compelling. Uh, they introduced certain facets that God are just taboo to even have a discussion about in society because you've, you know, a lot of people get very sensitive about it or you're going to incidentally cross a line depending on what you say. Um, it's a very diff- There's a lot of very difficult subject matter that is handled in that show, and it is handled in such a way that is just so perfect. It's, it's straight to the point. It's obvious. It's undisputable. Um, it's beautiful. Um, it's, it's just... And, and it showed the range even the actors had. I mean... I never <laughs> I never took the doctor um I'm trying to bring his name to mind um the actual actor um oh uh, David Tennant David Tennant I never I never took David Tennant at that kind of level ever like I was just like he's he's the doctor he's my favorite doctor um I mean I watched him in Broadchurch and mostly I was like this is just fucking depressing um, but, but otherwise, like I never, I never watched him in something where that level of acting ever came forward to me, where I was just like, oh, wow. Um, and he did it in such a way that 
was just really well done. I mean, again, between his acting, um, the gal who plays Jessica's acting, uh, the writers. Kristen Ritter, yeah. Just so good. Like, I mean, they, they took hard subject matter to talk about and even discuss, and they just put it on a forefront and said, boom, here it is. This is what it is. This is how it is. And and this is the way people deal with it. Heroes are not heroes. Like, it it's it's something people have to handle, and and it's handled, you know, no matter what. Um, so, I mean, it was really, that series is so well portrayed. Uh, the fact that we're getting a Punisher series. Um, I haven't seen the Punisher yet. I've heard really great things about him. So I am looking forward to it because the Punisher is another one of those Marvel characters. I just like, um, mostly because, again, he's one of, he, he's one of those anti-heroes. I mean, he's not on the Deadpool level of anti-heroism. Um, but a much more serious tone, um, you know, his, his background is just compelling. The, the reason he does what he does, um, it's just so fascinating. So again, I feel, I feel like that one's going to be a slam dunk and, and the guy they got to do it again, I haven't seen him as Punisher, but I walked, I watched him in the walking dead and I loved the hell out of him in that. Um, was it mob city? Something like that, uh, was another series he did where he played a gangster. I mean, the guy's got range, so I'm almost certain like, not seeing the series like this guy's going to deliver. He'll, he'll do a good job. It'll be interesting to see what they write in for that. So, so far they haven't failed, but like I said, Ghost Riders one series that I think, I think Marvel has struggled with because it, it's, it's like the fantastic four, except not as bad. Um, <laughs> uh, like, I mean, the well, only Marvel thing that really brought it down bad. for me was Nicholas Cage out of the movie franchise. That was it. Like, it was just like, if anybody else that wasn't Nick Cage was playing this character, I'd almost certainly be better with this. Uh, but again, it just, I think that that was definitely the era before like Marvel figured out their stride. Um, I don't know who did those movies, who published them um, as far as what studio. Ooh, I don't remember who did the, those films. Um, so a couple of things that you mentioned in there. One, Jessica Jones is brilliant. Um, and it absolutely deserved that Peabody Award. Um, and it's interesting because after watching the first season of Daredevil, I felt like we had already gotten a completely different kind of TV show. And then Jessica Jones took that to a completely different level. Like, this failed superhero turned, like, P.I. turned, like, representative for every abused or mentally um what's the word i'm looking for um subverted person in all of time in history gets just so well represented by Kristen Ritter in this film in that series and it's really well done um for those of you keeping score as we talk about as we try to tie our conversations continually back into one another with Easter eggs, it also starred as Malcolm Eka Darville, who was in one of those future, um, future not as good Power Ranger series. Um, but the Jessica Jones was fantastic. It does really smart things, and it did it with a character that had been portrayed in popular television before. Um, so wasn't completely unknown to the average viewer. Um, but certainly wasn't done quite the way this Jessica Jones was done, right? 
Um, Alias was a very different show. Um, not that I ever really watched Alias, but it just, from what I did watch of it, these were two very different shows. Um, and moreover, what it did was above and beyond what Marvel is doing in the film universe where now we've kind of had a heist film and we've got the soldier film and we have the war movie and the big action movie and all of those things. It was, we can, we can just do real character development. We can tackle like real issues here. Um, and we can do it in a way that is clever and entertaining. And yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to always live up to one season over another. I actually think that I enjoyed John Bernthal as the Punisher more than I enjoyed him in The Walking Dead. Um, and I felt like his inclusion in Dar- Daredevil was, yes, there was a lot of Punisher, but keep in mind, at the time, Marvel was not signed up to doing a Punisher series. As a matter of fact, they had specifically said that's not what we're looking to do. It was only after fans came back and said, we want more Punisher, that they made they made that decision. Um, and so, yeah, he was in it a lot because it made sense to have him in it a lot. Um, because it was his whole shtick. It was his whole story. Um, and it also made sense because they were using it for they're doing some things in there where they're using the Punisher as a whiteboard kind of comparison in theology versus and or methodology versus what, you know, Matt is doing as Daredevil. So um I I loved all of that. I think when you based on all of that, based on the fact that Marvel has pretty much proven that they know how to do that. It gives me some hope for a um for a ghostwriter series. Um Johnny Blaze as a character is actually pretty good. It's it's actually the writer who's not that interesting. If you ever read a ghostwriter comic book, um Johnny Blaze is Johnny Blaze is a fun character. Yeah. He's fun because he is right out of that out of a 1950s like bad boy film. You've got this guy, he's got this moral code, but he's a bit of a an ass, a bit of a bad boy. Um and then he get he becomes this reigning raging vengeance creature right and he's dealing with that but he's dealing with it with his own kind of like attitude and personality and um so johnny himself is a pretty okay okay fun character it's the writer who becomes very one-dimensional for me um the problem with the films were when you take kind of an over-the-top character and you pair it with an over-the-top actor like nick cage (laughs) Whew, I, there's not enough adrenaline shots you can feed right. me to be able to take all that in. Well, and I found out it's uh, Columbia Pictures 
That's that's where that film came out of was Columbia Pictures. <laughs> so, so there you go. So I mean, again, uh, it's one of those that uh, now that Marvel really has control of a lot of their franchises, there's hope. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess hope there. Um, I I think you know at this point Marvel's earned the benefit of the doubt, so I'm going to give it to them. Yeah, I mean, they they haven't done something to to on their own that they've had full control over. Um, they haven't done something terrible yet. Like they, I mean, it's one of the reasons. Like I'm I'm so hopeful that like something like the Fantastic Four finds its way back into like Marvel's primary hands because God that that franchise needs a good movie. Like it, it, it deserves, it deserves a good movie because it's capable of it. Like the characters are capable of it. There's a lot of depth between all these characters, but Fox keeps screwing the pooch. So, well, um, we, we, we now know that he is going to be, uh, you know, fantastic four will be a critical part of the upcoming Marvel phases. Um, which I I like I like I I've speculated on an earlier podcast. I believe it will actually replace what um, Marvel had planned for the Inhumans films um, because I think they'd rather go the the route of fan, of the um, Fantastic Four. Um, and I just think that they've done the Inhuman thing. Um, with shield and they don't need to keep going back to that place. Right. Um, well, and they haven't done anything. I hate to say it. They haven't done anything in shield that I think has given anybody inspiration over it. Like, I feel like that's probably a big reason why movie wise, they were like, "Eh, we're going to change our plan a little bit. Um, was because I don't think anybody, like even myself, like I was just not, I, I haven't been super enthusiastic with the whole inhuman season. Like, I mean, it's all right, but eh, okay. Yeah. But I mean, that's going to be shield. I think that right. every season of shield, you know, even the, the season finale, which I'm, I'm sure you haven't watched yet. Um, but it has this, you know, big climactic ending and already on the internet, I'm getting, where I thought it was an honest attempt to do something with, with the show. Um, you know, there's mixed reviews out there, and even I have to admit that it wasn't as far as they could have gone. So, um, you know, you're going you're gonna to have that. But I'll tell you what, S.H.I.E.L.D. knows how to do emotional moments well. So, um, True. So does Flash. Just tease you with that, Road. You need to get caught up. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I do. So many emotional moments. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, I, you know, I, I'm pretty excited about these three being announced. I, I'm excited about, as we get into Phase 3 and Phase 4, or we're in Phase 3, right? Right. Is it we're officially in Phase 3 now? Yes. Okay, so as we get into Phase 4... In some of the later films, I'm still interested to see. We know that there's going to be a little bit of crossover in Infinity War, but how much crossover there are between the Netflix, um, the Netflix properties and the film properties, um, particularly with a character like um, 
the Punisher, who is kind of a crossover king. Um, the Punisher certainly has had his own stories, um, but he is most compelling as that anti-hero that's kind of always mucking things up for other heroes. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how if they use him at all like that, other than just in the Netflix property. Right. Because um, I would love to see Cap and Punisher, like Chris Evans' Cap and John Bernthal's Punisher on screen would be like the most emotionally chaotic moment I think anyone could ever handle. Well, and the thing is, uh, is like I, I, and and if they're right now, if there's a if there's a business that can do it, it would be Marvel. Like I would love yep. to see the crossover of television to movie. I mean, because they they went the other direction, movie to television, with taking Phil Coulson from the big screen and integrating him into you know the the Marvel television universe. So, I mean, obviously, like, there's play there, and they, they hint at it. They talk about it all the time. Uh, there's little drop-ons where they talk about events that have happened in the cinematic universe within each of these TV series. I think there's even a small hint, like, in Daredevil Season 1 that talks about, like, you know, all these all these new heroes. There's, you know, this guy with a shield and the guy with a suit of iron, and who knows anymore. And it's like this offhanded conversation between Matt and his uh, legal partner. And so... uh so I think they're working there, and God, I just I do I want to see them pull it off. Um, mostly because yet again it'd be yet it'd be yet one more nail in the coffin against DC. Going, do you see how you're not fucking up? Like, do you see how how that's a thing? Like, you see how you're making all these mistakes? <laughs> yeah, well, and um, maybe even between like a shield. I, I would even like to see Shield begin to play in the, with some of the Netflix characters. Right. Um, I think that would be compelling. Um, you know, again, Shield is a little more mainstream, casual fan than whereas the Netflix series so far have been much more dark and gritty, but. I do believe that there is some really awesome opportunity to um, to play with those characters a little bit um, and to have those two worlds kind of collide. I, I would love to see Jessica Jones pop up as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Just, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. just kind of recruits her and says, hey, we just need you to show up sometimes. Um, I'd also like to see Phil Coulson return to the cinematic universe. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's past time for that to happen. I mostly want to see it happen just to see how it affects the heroes at this point. Because I mean, obviously it was the effect of removing him was, as they said, he was the glue. He's what right. he's what caused them to because because that was at the point where they were really again at at that as the Avengers do they were at a point of separation and then Coulson's you know death you know unites them and brings them together and makes them feel like you know there's a much bigger there's something bigger than all of them that they need to fight for and their differences uh, don't matter and how it would affect things at this point um, because 
for as much as Colson's out there, it's really surprising to me that somebody as smart as Tony Stark who found Spider-Man <laughs> has no idea <laughs> that Phil Colson is still alive. When, like, he's just, when if you watch S.H.I.E.L.D., he's just popping up all over the place. Like, he his being alive is the worst kept secret in all of Right? Like, it's not like he's good at hiding his, <laughs> that he's supposed to be dead. Especially when there's people in the Pentagon who know he's alive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Eh, you know. What can you do? What can you do? Um, so anyways, I would like to see that happen. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they, if there's some more crossovers in that space. Yeah. Um, so the only other thing that I kind of had queued up for us to talk about, but I'm, I'm almost timid to talk about it until we really see what happens with it. There's a little bit of hubbub on the internet at the moment about a recent announcement from NYCC that they're now going to, in an, in an attempt to avoid ticket scalping, going to require everyone who buys tickets to NYCC, ReadPop will make you fill out a fan verification profile um, where you will have to complete a questionnaire that essentially validates you that you will be the one attending the con and your fandom and excitement about going, um, so to speak. I'm not quite sure. That part's a little shady to me. Um, <laughs> But, yeah. How strong is your nerd? Apparently, you have to, like, complete a questionnaire and be approved to go, or at least, I don't know, that questionnaire will be used for purposes at a later date to be determined by ReadPop as they see fit? I have no idea. Seriously, the most (laughs) ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Yeah, like... As far as cons go. I mean, I've heard way more ridiculous shit, but as far as cons go, like... This is just insane. Like this, uh, uh, it's something we we discussed a little bit, and I'll use the same term. This this is that gatekeeper bullshit. Yep. That is that is holding this industry back from you know like anytime I hear people and I I hate this. I hate the fact that I have to feel this way. Anytime somebody's like, I don't know what people are talking about. I feel like nerd culture is really inclusive. This. This is why it's not. This is exactly the reason why it's not. Because what if you don't meet the standard? Like, what if, what if you don't pass? No matter what, like, like, and you legitimately want to go. So what? You don't get a go because you can't prove your fandom enough? It's so bad that let's for a moment, right? Let's for a moment take the positive mentality here and just for a second Assume that it's just a, um, like, it's something that they're going to use to validate you, you, the person, is showing up. ID, credentials, whatever. It's just going to be used as a, um, identity, um, validator, right? Right. Why, why, if we're an inclusive culture, would anyone think to call it fan verification? Like, just the connotation that you put out is that we have to verify your fan enough. That, and, and it, you're right. It happens everywhere. It's this gatekeeper mentality, and we've talked about it in multiple places. It's in comics. It's in um, gaming. It's in all kinds of things. Like we just 
we hold people to these arbitrary standards um and then we're like really mean about it right and it's just there's no room for it if, if there's no room for it if we really like it to not to to be cliche but as nerd culture has become more mainstream those of us who have grown up in it have been given increased power about how it is consumed by the rest of the population. And with that power comes a certain sense of responsibility. You are now the cool kids. So how are you going to treat people um, is really indicative of what you we all said we would do or not do when we were being mistreated right like it just you know be a little spider-man-ish and remember that we have some responsibility here now that we're put in this position to be the example not to be everything that we've complained about for decades yeah no, I agree completely. I mean, and and this is something like I mean, I've had this discussion, and believe me, I mean, I have people within my own, uh, within my own family and stuff who who, oh, man, they argue this with me all the time. Uh, well, I shouldn't say all the time, but anytime it comes up, they argue it with me. And and I mean, it comes back to like I mean, at, at even such a simple level, um, the whole like fake fan girls. I'd like to say fake fanboys, but I don't know if that's a thing. Um, who cares? Like, who cares? Why is it your place to judge whether they are or they aren't? And even then, at the end of the day, so they're faking being a fangirl, so maybe they meet somebody interesting. They meet, oh, gee, I don't know, a nice guy or a nice girl. Who gives a shit? Like, really, at the end of the day, like, if this is the in for them being happy in their lives... Why would we condemn that? Why, why would you, somebody who has gone through the struggle, has grown up in this world where for so long our culture was unaccepted, we were just nerds and geeks and being punished for it, to suddenly, I don't know, a guy or a girl wants to show up to this thing, whether they care about it or not, to maybe make a connection with you, regardless of your likes. I mean, I mean, shit. When I, before I ever met my wife, I could have only wished in my wildest dreams that there were those kinds of people. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get it either. But here's what I will say about the whole fake fangirl thing. Um, I've more than once in my life said, much like Albert Einstein once said, the most powerful thing in the universe is compound interest, right? The second most powerful thing in the universe is a horde of teenage girls. Because a horde of teenage girls can pretty much convince anybody else that something is worth doing. There are whole, like, careers built on the motivations and the thoughts of teenage girls. So, if you want to know, it, for everyone giving the fake fangirl thing, like, anyone a hard time about that, 
I want you to go back and remember when you couldn't get your stuff on television or in theaters or anything because no one would pay for it. And then go look at Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen and see what the power of the teenage girl dollar, dollar has. True. Be- because nothing is more important than a bunch of people who live and die on social media and on their cell phones and on what each other is doing and all have to be doing the same thing in a way that is uniquely core to their demographic. And there there are a lot of shows that have benefited from that. Um, I'll tell you what, um, one show that I hope gets more um, love from that demographic just because I think um, it's benefiting immensely and it's doing wonderful things in much the same way that um, Samurai Jack once did is Steven Universe. And you know what? A lot of the fans of that show are new geek fans. And Adventure Time is another big one, right? Those are all shows that a lot of these fangirls are getting introduced into this culture with and they're showing up at cons dressed as these characters and they're infusing that into that into it and you know what it their dollars at those cons don't just pay the people who are there to talk about adventure time so if no for no other reason then it's just nice to be nice to people um there is the fact that that is a demographic that we want on our side. Right. So, um, all right. Well, we're actually, that's probably a good, good stopping point because we're right at about an hour and 10, hour and five minutes or so. Um, I'd like to, um, one, say that you can find us on um, everything Girl with the Curls in Maniacal Geek. Yarp. Make sure to go listen to all of Sam's podcasts, read all of her posts, follow her on Facebook, follow her on Twitter. Um, you can find her um, on Twitter at Darling underscore Sammy. Um, and you can find her at ManiacalGeek.com. Just make sure to follow all of her stuff. She posts our stuff for us. She's fantastic. We love her. Um, Ro, where can they find you if they're looking for you? Oh, and they can find me at my ever so uh, uninteractive Twitter at <laughs> Roman on the Rocks. Um, Facebook, of course, uh, I do have a page there for Roman on the Rocks. Um, and my website is technically up. I just don't think I do anything with it. Um, not right now, at least. Uh, but yeah, so that's a thing too. Um, also. Roman on the rocks in case you didn't catch it the first couple of times. <laughs> um, and you can of course find me on Twitter um, at nerd underscore nonsense. Um, feel free to interact with me there. I do actually check Twitter and do things on Twitter. Not a lot. Like I'm not doing nearly enough for someone who should be doing more social media, but I do stuff and I, respond to stuff so please feel free to connect with me there 
Of course, make sure to always catch our shows. Um, and if you have any suggestions for things you'd like us to talk about, because we're always interested in talking about anything nerd nonsensical, um, feel free to send stuff our way. Other than that, um, we appreciate you listening. And with that, I'll say goodnight. Good night. Good night.